Welcome to the Consilience Podcast, a show that teaches you how to be happy in your body and confident in who you are. I am your host, Shannon Beer, founder of Empower Coaching, to help you find peace with food, feel confident in your body, and engage more fully in your lives and relationships. I'm glad you're here. Let's get into the show. I consider myself to be a bit of a perfectionist, much like many of my coaching and mentoring clients. I would describe myself as a very ambitious person. I have big goals in my career and my personal life, and I hold myself to quite a high standard. So you could say that I have quite a big perfectionist streak. And this is something that I've worked pretty hard to keep in check. As a teenager, I had to be the best at everything I did. Well, actually, I think it started a little bit before that because my mum will often tell the story of how I embarrassed her during a ballet performance where I was supposed to be at the back of the sequence and throughout the performance, I gradually overtook everyone so that I could be at the front all whilst picking a wedgie out of my ass. (laughs) So she will often tell me that story, but I can't say that I remember that. What I do remember is absolutely not tolerating getting anything wrong. Throughout school, I had to know the answer to everything. I had to score 100% on everything. Even at GCSE, I wasn't happy with my results. I think I got like five A stars and seven A's. And I was pissed because all I could focus on was the fact that five of my A's were one mark off of an A star. So I was very, very frustrated. So you could say that this perfectionist streak in me is pretty strong and it's something that I have to consciously keep in check whilst I strive towards my high standards. So you might be thinking, why is this something to watch? What's wrong with wanting to do everything to the best of your abilities? Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with having high standards. And in fact, I would suggest that high standards can be beneficial to a certain extent. Most of us have a desire to grow and to progress, and we all have a need to feel competent at different things that we've got going on in our lives. So there's a lot of value in setting challenging goals, and it can feel very, very rewarding to see yourself progress to these goals and tick certain things off. That can be a healthy form of perfectionism. Unhealthy perfectionism is when those high standards are combined with a fear of failure. In the literature on perfectionism, there is typically a distinction between self-prescribed perfectionism, which is where we have these high personal standards, and socially prescribed perfectionism. So this is when we perceive pressure and expectations to be perfect. And sometimes those perceptions that we have become internalized where it can be very difficult to tell the difference between am I doing this because it's important to me or am I doing this because I feel like I need to be perfect and socially prescribed perfectionists tend to believe that others expect them to be perfect and that other people will be highly critical of them if they fail to meet these expectations. Now, I don't really understand where my unhealthy perfectionism in the past came from because I haven't necessarily received any criticism or any judgment. Like My parents are always very supportive, but somehow I developed this 
fear of getting things wrong, which comes with consequences. And this is why it is something to be mindful of when you're being driven from a place of fear. Because there's a big difference between, for example, I want to excel in my career because I'm curious, I love learning and I love helping people and this brings a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment to my life versus I need to excel in my career because if I don't, that will prove that I'm useless, I'm no good. And that kind of line of thinking, although often isn't explicit, we don't tend to say these things to ourselves explicitly, but we may actually find that when we get to the root of our drive, that sometimes that fear is what's underlying it. And when we struggle with unhealthy perfectionism, our self-worth is often tied to our achievements. So for those of you who are familiar with the compassion-focused approach, this can be considered a threat-based drive. The primary difference amongst these different dimensions of perfectionism is not necessarily the behavior pattern per se. So it's not always about the things that we're doing in order to achieve our goals, but to whom the perfectionist behavior is directed. So healthy perfectionists tend to focus on their strengths and how to do things right, whereas neurotic perfectionists are driven by a fear of failure and negative evaluation. So it can be helpful to consider, are you a perfectionist because you're passionate and driven for what you do, or because you see yourself as not good enough and lacking in status if you don't do those things? And this is a really important distinction because as with most things driven by threat, there are consequences. So in coaching, this comes up a lot because perfectionism is a big risk factor for eating pathology. So people who are struggling with their relationship with food and with body image concerns it's not unusual for them to have some unhealthy perfectionist tendencies and perfectionism is generally considered a predisposing personality trait that precedes and increase the risks for the development of an eating disorder. So this is really important to address in coaching, not because if we don't do it, it's gonna be difficult for our clients to get results, but also because if they feel like they're not doing everything right and they have a fear of failure, they're more likely to drop out. And if they have perfectionist concerns and standards around their appearance, they're likely to never really be satisfied, meaning that even if they are making progress, they might not feel like they're making progress. And again, this is gonna increase the risk of our clients canceling coaching before they really get to the benefits that we can provide. This also comes up a lot in mentoring, and I see this in my clients who are struggling with burnout, procrastination, excessive reassurance seeking. So for example, taking course after course after course in order to be good enough, rather than actually just working with what you know and focusing on doing the difficult things in business, like marketing yourself or working in your business with clients. So I'll have coaches working with me who want to build their client base, but feel like they need to know more before they can do that. So they're stacking all this knowledge, but they don't have the experience of applying that in practice because they've got no one to work with or not as many people as they would like to work with because they are seeking reassurance through knowing everything rather than actually just coaching and learning that way. 
So other situations would be counterproductive safety behaviors like taking forever to create a post for Instagram because it needs to be perfect. Everyone else has already said this. So what can I add to this? It has to be very heavily referenced and resourced. And the the coaches that I work with tend to spend so much time creating social media content or procrastinating creating social media content, meaning that they're not even posting consistently enough to gain any traction. So you can see here how our perfectionist concerns often actually get in the way of our performance and they hold us back. The other element is that we tend not to try new things when there is a risk that we might fail. So I often talk to coaches who really want to take their services online. They primarily work in person and they want to take their services online, but they're scared of doing that in case it doesn't work out. Or coaches who are working part-time and they're scared to go all in and leave their regular like day job in case this doesn't work out. And it's like, well, when you're not afraid of failing, when you know that you can learn from your mistakes, you're one, more likely to make progress and get to where you want to be because you're willing to take those risks because you know if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Other consequences that we see with high levels of unhealthy perfectionism are increased experiences of anxiety and depression. So some people tend to adopt perfectionist standards to compensate for this underlying inferior sense of self and they're very prone to experiencing shame and this not only involves negative self-beliefs and evaluations but also beliefs about how we are evaluated by others so what you think other people see you as and it's been found that these global negative beliefs about yourself and about how you are seen by other people is more strongly related to psychopathologies, so these experiences of anxiety and depression, rather than just having shame responses to specific events. So this is the one thing about unhealthy perfectionism, is that it tends to be very general. So when you're working with clients, or if you are someone who is struggling with your relationship with food and movement and your body, it's probably very likely that you have these perfectionist tendencies in other areas of your life as well. So I remember working with one of my clients, Brianna, and we actually did a podcast episode some years ago now, talking about her relationship with food and developing self-acceptance and overcoming perfectionism, because she found that this was affecting so many different areas of her life. She had these very, very high standards, which again, are not necessarily harmful, but also this demanding, I need to achieve all these things because I don't feel good enough about myself as I am. And this line of thinking is where we tend to run into some problems and some misconceptions where, well, if I accept myself where I am, then that means that I won't stop trying to improve myself or I will stop trying to improve myself. And that's not the case at all. It's about accepting yourself where you are while striving for these things because they add to your life, not because you're not good enough and you need to prove yourself. 
And we also, this is one of the things that really gets me, and this is something that I've realized is that I don't necessarily care about relationships with food or body image per se. I care about how those things are affecting people's lives. And one of the biggest areas that we see is in our relationships. So with perfectionism, it tends to be related to dysfunctional relationships because when we're struggling with unhealthy perfectionism, we tend to be very so socially tense so we have these very high personal demands on our own performance which then causes us to doubt our ability to present ourselves successfully and we tend to be very self-conscious view ourselves unfavorably to others so we tend to make more unhelpful social comparisons and we tend to withdraw from social occasions because it's so stressful trying to be perfect all the time and We also see that with these very high levels of maladaptive perfectionism, when we doubt our own behavior, we tend to have excessive concerns over our mistakes and heightened sensitivity to the expectations of others. So this often leads people to search for more external sources of validation because, again, we don't feel good about ourselves. So we seek that from somewhere. So this explains why we tend to do more social comparisons because this is a way for us to gather social feedback. So if I'm feeling insecure about myself, I may compare my body to someone else to assess my social standing and that will confirm to me what I already believe about myself that I'm not good enough because my body doesn't look like this and therefore I need to go and diet, I need to go and train super, super hard so that I can look better to improve how I feel about myself and the problem again with this is that because we haven't addressed the underlying problem we still don't feel good about ourselves and this leads to feeling defeated and leads to feeling trapped so when you are struggling with unhealthy perfectionism nothing is good enough which means that this feeling can't be fixed, right? You're not going to change how you feel because nothing is good enough. So what really helped me, I think, with my perfectionism is when I learned more about what a healthy relationship with yourself actually is. So when my self-concept improved, that's when my unhelpful perfectionist tendencies improved. Now, let me reiterate, the high standards are still there. And this is something that I still need to keep in check, but I don't have any of the negative consequences where I am going overboard to get everything absolutely right in the sense of I'm not doing excessive checking or excessive research before I go ahead and talk about things that I know that I'm knowledgeable in because I have experience in. So that's just one example. And when I became sure of myself, this meant that I was less concerned about what other people think. Not that I don't care for other people's opinions, but I don't let other people's opinions of myself or even just the fear of what other people may think I don't let that influence the way that I feel about myself because I know that my opinions of myself are what matters most so what we see with unhelpful perfectionism is that it's tied to something that is called maladaptive evaluative concerns so this is when we don't want others to perceive us in an unfavorable light so we go to extreme lengths in order to appear perfect 
And it's this evaluative concern dimension, rather than the achievement striving itself, so you know, trying to reach your goals, that's most closely associated with all of these negative outcomes that we see. So the way that I help clients and coaches in coaching and mentoring is a very similar process because perfectionism tends to work in the same way, whether it's in relation to what we're eating and our body composition, or whether it's in relation to our careers and business success, is we start with developing awareness, like with most things. It really helps to be able to notice when your behaviors are driven by your perfectionist concerns, and to really notice the impact that this is having on your well-being and your actual success in the goal that you're trying to achieve because this is the main point with the unhelpful forms of perfectionism is that this fear of failure often stops us from trying things whether that's putting ourselves out there in social situations or whether it's putting ourselves out there on social media in order to grow our business whether it's making the transition to go online launching a new program that you don't know whether it's going to work or not there's a lot of risks that you take in building a business and there's a lot of risks that you take in any goal attainment throughout your life that when you're an unhealthful perfectionist you tend to avoid those things in order to play it safe and playing it safe often keeps us stuck in that we play very small you know we don't achieve these big things that we really desire because we're too scared to take the risk so we start by really acknowledging that impact that it's having on the goals that we're trying to pursue and in relation to coaching this is often where people have these very high standards as to what they expect their diet to look like and they experience higher degrees this is in my experience with coaching I notice that clients tend to experience higher degrees of food guilt because their diet isn't perfect and that can result in a feeling of failure and then the self-sabotage that comes when feeling like you failed so again holding people back from actually reaching their goals so in a compassion focused approach we recognize this as behaviors that are driven by our threat system and the way to address that is to grow your soothe system which is essentially your ability to show warmth reassurance and caring towards yourself so that you can regulate this distress response and actually get yourself into a position where you feel grounded enough to think about what's going to be helpful and what can really move you forwards so we notice that there are a lot of beliefs at play you know lots of I must do things this way I should have done this I have to do this things must be done in a specific way in order to be good enough so we have a lot of rules around our way that we want to live and achieve our goals and those are the things that we tend to address so noticing what our rules are and turning these into guidelines and I would say that this is something that I notice people skipping to you know like oh clearly I can see that I'm engaging in all or nothing thinking I know that I should just you know see the middle ground take the middle ground approach but it doesn't really work that's probably because you've skipped the compassionate part because we can often see the logic in that, you know, this is unhelpful for me. I know things don't need to be perfect, but I still am driven and I still have these urges. 
And those impulses can be very difficult to overcome if you don't also have the ability to reassure yourself. And sometimes thinking logically is not sufficient, which is why it really, really is important to grow your capacity to reassure and to validate yourself so that you can actually do the thing that is logical and helpful. So that's just a side note on when it comes to dealing with these rules and guidelines is that it can be ineffective if we haven't developed a baseline of compassion first. So once we have that baseline of compassion, we can then conduct behavioral experiments essentially where we test our beliefs about breaking our rules so let's say I'm working with a coach who is procrastinating on their social media content creation they're comparing themselves to other coaches thinking that their content needs to look a certain way every post has to be heavily referenced what we will do is set a time limit where I'm only allowed to spend x amount of time creating my social media content this week and I'm giving myself permission to post a post that isn't heavily referenced you know I don't need to have citations in every single post obviously I do that sometimes but this is my own way of creating content and my audience might be different to yours if you're a coach because I also work with coaches so this is just an example of why it's unhelpful to compare yourself to others but what we will do is conduct these experiments where okay I have to create a post in 20 minutes and whatever I have I'm gonna put out there or an experiment where I'm gonna post every single day this week because that's gonna force me to get more efficient with my posting because I don't want it to take hours and of course this feels uncomfortable right and we in this experiment, we will put out a post that we don't feel like is perfect, we don't feel like it's great, and that's the point because we prove to ourselves through our experiment that things don't need to be perfect, that there are no negative consequences from this. So this would be, you know, leaving a social media post that has a typo in it, thinking, oh, okay, that's annoying that I've noticed that, but I know that that's fine. You know, there are no negative consequences from having a typo every now and then. Or in the context of our appearance, going out without makeup on. So yesterday I went out in the evening to buy some groceries. And before I went out, I was in the bathroom and I noticed I looked really tired. And I was like, oh, I look really tired. Like, should I just put on some makeup to, to go out? And then I was like, no, because I don't really care what other people think. Like those urges are normal. Should I put on concealer to cover up my under eyes? Yeah, I could. And I do think I would look better if I did, but I'm okay with not looking my best. That's what I want to believe. So I have to go out and act as if that was true. And then guess what? Nothing happens. The checkout lady's smiling, having a conversation and I go home. Like it's no big deal. So that's probably an urge that comes back from when I used to be very self-conscious about my skin, which I've spoken about in a previous podcast episode about my body image journey. So I know that I have these tendencies and I also know that I don't need to give in to them. So I can recognize because I'm aware now, I acknowledge the impact that that can have if I give in to these tendencies where I feel this pressure to present myself as looking perfect or being perfect. And I act the way that I want to act where I know that it's not that important to look perfect all the time. And I know that there's more to me than my appearance so I act as if that was true so it is kind of the approach of faking it until you make it like 
doing the things that you know a confident person would do even when you don't feel that way and then that leads over time to these feelings of comfort and acceptance with yourself because you've given yourself that opportunity to prove that nothing bad happens or that if something was to happen let's just say that someone did comment on how tired I looked that night you know that would prove to me that oh even if the worst happens it's not that bad. I can deal with negative comments on my appearance. Like it doesn't have to affect how I feel about myself. And this is where we come on to developing and really working towards developing unconditional self-acceptance, which is the acknowledgement that every single human being has flaws. You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We're all complex. We're all infallible and we're all constantly changing and never stuck in place. That is a realistic and healthy self-view that actually helps us to perform better. So with some of my clients, we will also work on something that is called a high performance mindset. So this is something that Rachel and I worked on. We spoke a little bit more about this on an IG live that I did recently, where she is a dancer. She is often in very high pressure environments. This is the kind of sport that lends itself beautifully to comparing yourself to others and feeling the need to present your appearance as being perfect, right? Because we buy into all of these beliefs about what a dancer should look like. And this, of course, can lead to feeling a need to control every part of what you're eating, you know, this micromanagement and can lead to some disordered tendencies. And Rachel reached out when she sort of noticed that happen within herself. And she was coming into a time where she had a lot of auditions for her master's program. And during the lead up to these auditions, she would be so anxious that it was difficult to even focus on her training. It was difficult for her to relax and unwind, difficult to make food choices without the obsession. And what we did is cultivated a high performance mindset where she recognized the beliefs that she had about her performance, where she was telling herself things like, all these other dancers are younger than me, I'm too old to be doing this. Um, We unpacked some of those beliefs and created a more helpful high performance mindset that would allow her to be present during her auditions, really get into her body and perform at her best and deal with any rejections that she did receive because she didn't, not every audition ended with an acceptance, right? She did ultimately get into the master's program that she was looking for and she attributed this to a lot of the work that we were doing, but needed to be able to tolerate that setback because what was happening is every time she got a rejection, it was taking her a long time to pick herself back up where she didn't really want to train. You know, she felt demotivated. She doubted her ability to be successful and we had to work really hard on that with this high performance mindset, which included writing down these more helpful beliefs about if I get a rejection I can remind myself that this is a normal part of the process every successful dancer has been rejected at some point and it's not these rejections that define me because I can tolerate what's important is my ability to refocus and re-engage with my goal even when I have been rejected you know we had thoughts like that that she would write down and carry around with herself to remind herself of 
how she wanted to think because this was going to lead to better performance and less negative consequences with the feelings of overwhelm. I also did this myself with a recent launch. So something we do in mentoring is to create a career credo because as I mentioned, running your own business is a big risk. It is a great opportunity to feel shit about yourself if you don't manage your mindset because a lot of coaches that I've noticed that I've worked with often compare their business success to what other coaches are doing. They feel like a failure when they're struggling to get clients, all of these things. So we work on a career credo where we identify the beliefs that help us to achieve our goals and we affirm ourselves of this. So this is a really helpful practice to do for example if you're launching a program and this is what I did with my recent launch knowing that I'm going to have a tendency to be checking to see who signed up to be wondering whether I'm going to hit my launch goals fortunately it went really well and within like the second day of the launch I knew that I was going to reach my goal with the body image fundamentals but what I did is created a beliefs plan where I was like this program is something that the industry needs. This is something that so many coaches already have benefited from. So it's not about blowing smoke up your ass. It's not gonna be believable if it's not realistic, but drawing on the evidence that you have and what you know you need to think in order to continue to show up. So what we see again with launches is that when there's like a lull in the middle of the launch, because you tend to get more people signing up at the start because you've built up the excitement. And then most people signing up at the last minute because it's the early emergency in the middle you tend to experience a lull in signups and this is where coaches often then pull out or get defeated and stop showing up which then impacts their results and it's important to show up with excitement throughout the whole process so having this career credo and these beliefs that you remind yourself of other people really need this I know how effective this program is so-and-so has got these results. I know that this can help other people with the same thing, you know, all grounded in actual evidence that helps you to maintain that momentum that you need in order to get the results that you're looking for. So one final thing that is applicable to anyone struggling with perfectionist concerns is to remember to affirm yourself because we tend to discount the positive. And this is something that I am still consciously working on. Like it's something that I have to remind myself to do because it's very easy for me. And again, I was falling into this trap where I was like, all right, this is done, now what's next? Without taking a moment to say, actually Shannon, you're doing pretty well. Like you've done a pretty good job of this. Like this is actually making a pretty big impact. And every time someone sends me a comment where they're thanking me for the work or they're telling me how excited they are or they're sharing their results about how much their life has changed, I now not only take a screenshot and put it in a folder on my Google Drive about why this is important, again, to help with those beliefs that I need to remember in those times where I'm feeling a little bit flat. I now also take a moment to actually let that comment land. Like I let it resonate with me where I actually feel that appreciation that someone is sending. 
and I take in that positive feedback. So I got a lot of support around body image fundamentals in the sense that people were talking about it, telling me again how much of an impact it's made. And that is something that I consciously have to allow in because it's so easy for me to discount that and be like, okay, but now I need to add this and now I need to perfect it by doing this and I still haven't done this. And those things may still be true and I may still want to work towards those goals, but you will never be satisfied with what you are doing and you will never feel competent. This is the key thing, is that when we affirm ourselves, this increases our self-efficacy. We feel capable and we feel confident. Therefore, we are able to strive for the next thing. Not because we don't feel good enough, but because we have the confidence in our ability to achieve it. So we do set the bar high and we do chase those goals, but coming from a place of acceptance and having compassion for our failures and setbacks. So the acceptance allows us to take risks and the compassion allows us to continue to move forwards and figure out, okay, how do I troubleshoot this when this isn't working? Okay, I've run up against this obstacle. Now what can I do? And that is how we not only reach our goals, but also support our well-being in the meantime time. So if you are currently struggling or feel like you might be struggling with perfectionism, I recommend first developing some awareness around that, working on being more compassionate towards yourself. I know that's very vague, but that is, that's not even a podcast. That's something that you probably need support with, to be honest. Changing these rules into guidelines, working on your self-acceptance, creating a high performance mindset, and lastly, really affirming your strengths and recognizing, acknowledging your wins so that you can move forward. So if you are a coach who is struggling with perfectionism, procrastination, overwhelm, burnout in your business, consider reaching out for mentoring. And if you are someone who is struggling with your body image and your relationship with food and just feeling like you're not good enough in general, then again, I would consider reaching out for coaching because these things are best worked on in the context of a supportive environment that will challenge you, but will also do so in a way that is achievable and a way that feels safe. The best thing that I've done for myself is to work with other people. And that's really when I first noticed my mindset starting to change. So if you want some support, you know where I am. Thank you so much for listening to the Consilience podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with someone who will find it helpful. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and quick review. The topics I speak about aren't particularly trendy or sexy, so this makes a huge difference. And don't forget to join the Empowered Edit, a weekly newsletter with evidence-based tools and strategies to help you build your health and confidence. The link will be in the show notes. And until then, I will catch you in the next episode.